We go. Check, check, check. Great expectations, everybody. <laughs> Is that better? It's, from my perspective, it sounds like I'm already shouting, so, uh, oh, that's better. Oh, well done. So, great expectations. Now, you all heard that. You all heard that. You all heard that. Is it true that human beings are creatures of great expectation? We have inbuilt within us as part of the image of God this capacity to expect things out of life. Great things. Things that most of us maybe can't even achieve, but we know that we're built for more. We know that we're wired for more. And when we don't live with expectation, whether you're a Christian or not, If you live without expectation, what kind of diminished life is that going to look like, right? It's not going to be very good, I don't think. So expectation is crucial for us. I want to share a story of what we expect when things, well, well, when we have expectation, but when things don't quite go to plan. And it's a husband and wife story. And the wife was trying to get rid of the cockroach that was in the kitchen, Anyone who's seen cockroaches know that they are not nice creatures. Anyway, she was battling with this cockroach, and in the course of the, uh, the events that unfolded, her husband ended up in hospital with severe burns, a broken pelvis, and broken ribs. How? Well, I'll tell you. She'd caught the cockroach and thrown it down the toilet and poured on this insecticide down the toilet, thinking that would have killed it. Now, we know that nuclear explosions can't kill cockroaches, right? Anyway, she left it in the toilet bowl with all this insecticide. Then her husband came in for a wee, but as he was finishing, just threw his cigarette into the... This is in the old days, you know, probably in the 70s or 60s or something, or 50s. Anyway, burnt all his nether region parts, you know. The ambulancemen were being told this story of what happened as they put him on the stretcher at the top of the stairs and as they were being told the story, dropped the stretcher and he fell down the stairs. Broke his pelvis and several ribs. And they are pretty sure the cockroach did survive. So his expectations were not met. Are your expectations going to be met in Christ this year? Another word for expectation is hope. Rachel's talked about hope already this morning. Hope is a central idea all the way through the Bible, from page one to the last page. But let me share the difference, what the difference might be between these two words, uh, expectation and hope. When I was a little boy, 
between the ages of three and nine, so sort of primary school age, uh, I would hope that I would get Christmas presents. This is reasonable. I, I've never been disappointed in this. As a little boy, I always got Christmas presents. But as a primary school boy, my, my critical thinking, my devious schemes were not quite sharpened enough, so I just got what I was given, which is fine, of course, but I thought, as I got older, you know, secondary school age, I worked out that if I started looking through the Argos catalogue, anybody? Pre-internet days. If I started looking through the Argos catalogue round about late August, early September and left markers in the page of things that I wanted, guess what happened? I fooled my parents. Ta-da! What a genius I am. My hope was met by my expectations because I'd orchestrated it and I, I was very pleased with myself that I got what I wanted. In the storyline of the Bible, from the old all the way through to the new, hope is always being offered, but expectations are only sometimes met. The expectations are not always met. And the hope of Jesus coming into the world is, of course, the expectation that he will do something, right, in our lives. Redemption, yes. Salvation, yes. Sanctification, yes. Growing in holiness, for sure. What else will he do? What else do you live for? It's not just to get saved to go to heaven. No, there's a plan and a purpose for you right now. Because you are the only gospel that some people will ever see this Christmas. Your life, your words. What hope, what expectation will you show forth? The very first Advent reading for this year for us is the very first sign of hope in Genesis 3.15, which is what we're going to read now. I think it's going to come up. It's there already. Now, Adam and Eve had already reached out to this forbidden fruit, the only tree that they should not touch. We know this story very well. Genesis 3.15. But, of course, they were, um, they were found out. They were caught. They were judged. And, actually... The tempter, Satan, was also judged. And this is part of his judgment that we're going to read. This is the first Advent verse. As part of the judgment, God said to the serpent, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first promise of Christmas. Just as blood flowed, blood and water rather, flows from the, uh, the, the wound in Jesus' side at the crucifixion, so the promise here of hope is mixed and mingled with a redemptive curse to the deceiving serpent. It is a mysterious verse blink or read too quickly and it's just gone like that. It, but it carries a double message. Now for some of us, we might be so rationally minded that we might be thinking, well we know that this story comes out from a, a talking snake, therefore I'll dismiss this story. But we live in a strange world, don't we? 
where there are flying fish. There are animals called chameleons that can change their colours almost at will, it seems. And there are talking parrots. We've actually, we're actually looking after a budgie at the moment from our former neighbours who um, have gone back home to Pakistan. And they've got this budgie. My goodness me, can it talk? That's a strange thing, right? So it's not that difficult to get over what is going on here, but the point is this, that God will put enmity, which is to say strife and hostility, between the Satan, which is his technical name, the Satan and the woman. Not women, but woman. And now, if we look at verse 15 again, we see the plot thickening as we go through. He's going to put enmity between your offspring and her offspring. Who's his offspring? It's the demonic hordes. It's the principalities and powers. It's those powers that are arrayed against the purposes of God in this world. The demonic hordes. And then it says, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Who's the he? Now think about hope and expectation. Embedded within this judgment curse on the serpent, on Satan, as we will come in scripture to know that that's what he's called, embedded within this is his eternal doom against the purposes of God and the people of God. Right through the end of Revelation, where he is finally sent into the abyss and destroyed, and God's people are rescued. Right in the midst of this hopeful verse and this curse is the hope. This is the hope that the law through Moses and the prophets all the way through the Old Testament were developing as they lived out their thousand long years of history. Well, thousands really. Time and time again, God had to send men and women to say, turn back to me. Believe. Have hope. Live with expectation. Century after century. How can hope survive this long? How can we expect to be filled with hope if someone says, but this will happen in, you know, a thousand years after you've died? Which is often the way the Bible did it. See, when Jesus came, the first century world in, in, in Palestine was at fever pitch with expectation that the Messiah was coming. False messiahs came all the time. And a lot of people thought Jesus was just another one. Because the hope in the Jewish mind hadn't diminished one single bit. The hope was there that that God would do what he said. That Satan's head would be crushed. Whatever that looked like. And we now know what it looks like. Now if I were to prophesy a word over you that would take a hundred years to be fulfilled, what would you think? When we have prophecy in the church today, we expect an immediacy. But what if it takes a hundred years, like it did in scripture? 
This is the long-term view of God's purposes in the world. What if it takes a thousand years? (laughs) Maybe, maybe, this is a thought that's just occurred to me, maybe you're here today because of a promise to one of your descendants a thousand years ago. How's that for fulfilled hope? Look at you. Here you are. The descendants of, of, uh, of people to whom God said, and in you, God will fulfill his promises. But it's going to take a thousand years. Here we are. Someone's been praying for us to be here. I've said it before. We've got to find those people who've been praying for us. There's always someone doing it. And here we are. Think about this famous Christmas verse, Isaiah 9 verse 6. You know it, say it with me. For unto us, to us a son is given. Now, no, go on, go on, go on. No, that, that's fine, that's lovely. We'll leave that there, that's all I wanted to hear. That's, a, that's a, an Advent verse, right? Woo, 700 years before Christ, spoken to a wicked king called Ahaz. And the prophet Isaiah says to that king, for to us a child is born. (laughs) What? To us a son is given. What sort of promise is that? This is also what God spoke through the prophet Habakkuk. 580 years before Christ. Habakkuk 3.2. This will be on the screen. Um, No. Chapter 3 verse 2. If you could, I'll read it while you're finding it. For still, listen to these words, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Yeah. 580 years before Christ. It really is true, isn't it, that God's timing is not our timing, right? God's ways are not our ways. It's astonishing, isn't it? Yes, God will do it in his own timing. Look at Galatians 4, 4 verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law at the right time. Ta-da! Happy Christmas, everyone. The Messiah has come. He will rescue and redeem. He will heal the brokenhearted. A bruised reed he will not break. And yet, even as the baby Jesus is placed in the manger with the whiff of incense in the air, Even there he is still hidden. Even though God has now come in the flesh, even there, in the manger, he remains hidden. Who sees him? The mystic Persians, they turn up, we call them the Magi or the wise kings or whatever, but um, they turn up because they've read the signs. They come to give their worship. Who else recognises who he is? The shepherds, because of it, it, it took an, an angelic choir to break out 
in, in the sky to tell them the Messiah has been born today. Now the, the Persian mystics go back home and are never heard of again. <laughs> At least they got a few verses in the Bible, I suppose. Who's going to believe the shepherds? The outcasts, really, of society, the marginalised, the poorest of the poor. No one's going to believe a word they say anyway. Anyway, Christ is still hidden at this point. Even though the angelic choir has burst out, throngs of uh, shepherds have come, and incense fills the air. But Genesis 3.15 is being fulfilled like this. Christ is revealed, and yet he's still hidden. The curse upon Satan is being fulfilled in the coming of Christ. The hope of the ages is now meeting all of the expectations of his people, but not exactly how they expected. And more is yet to come from this earliest part of the good news in Genesis 3.15. Because if you think about it, Christ is crucified by the colluding satanic powers of Rome and the religious leaders. Who's behind them both? Satan? Satan? Who's behind Satan? Who's working out his purposes all the time, church? Thank you. Yes. God. Which means that no matter how much evil is being done, no matter how much wickedness we see or, or are part of, or collude with, or share in, or are caught up in, God can always rescue and redeem you from that situation. Every single time. So when Satan bruises Jesus' heel, this is the crucifixion. Satan bruises his heel. It is actually Jesus, the offspring of Eve who permanently destroys the work of Satan, crushes his head. That's what's going on in Genesis 3.15. That's the promise of the coming Messiah, to destroy the works of the devil. Why? Because he's been a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar, a thief and a cheat. What's the very first word he offered to the very first couple? Sowing those demonic seeds of doubt. Did God say... Ever doubted God, church? <laughs> yeah, we all, we've all been there. That's the echo of Satan. So Genesis 3 contains the judgment of God upon sin, death and the devil. And it also offers the human race the hope that is required to live with expectation, expectancy. That's why Paul can say in Romans 5, 6, notice the time element again. 
Romans 5 verse 6. At the right time, I'll read this version. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. He crushed Satan's head. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Genesis 3.15 being fulfilled. And in this way, God builds our hope and he meets our expectations. And it still carries with it mystery of what God is doing. God is always at work doing something, church. So I want to say, have great expectations this Christmas. Hope in God. Believe in Christ. And you will never be disappointed. The only thing that equals disappointment in a believer's life is our unreal, unbiblical, ungodly, sinful expectations of what we want God to do for us. But God never lets you down. Never. Martin Luther, the great reformer 500 years ago, said, In this way you can shake off all terrors and errors. <laughs> Just as the sun dispels the clouds. And as Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. Do you know this today, church? Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man or the woman whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Amen? Amen. Never count against him. Blessed is that person. Praise God. Do you know this hope today, church? Just one yes would do. <laughs> Lord, cause faith to rise in us that you will meet us in hope and expectation this Christmas. All glory to Emmanuel, God with us, who never leaves nor forsakes. We praise your holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. It's warmed up now.